There is a shorter version of today's gospel available, but it chooses to eliminate the gospel of the prodigal son. And uh, that gospel of the prodigal son is absolutely the key to understanding the teaching that comes to us from these readings today. All these readings are about mercy, about the mercy of God, and the need for us to turn to that mercy of God and to embrace and receive and welcome that mercy and to be open, to be ready to receive his mercy, not to stand on our own dignity, not to stand on our own capacity for justice, but to embrace and receive and welcome the mercy of God that is continually given to us through the life of the church. In the first reading, we have Moses and this dialogue with God. And we need to understand that this dialogue isn't Moses being more merciful than God and talking God down, um, although that's the form it has, but it actually is Moses probing the extent to which God's mercy goes. Moses is probing how merciful is our God. And no matter how far Moses goes in trying to probe what limit there might be on God's mercy, he does not find it because there is not a limit on the mercy of God. So that's what we can take from the first reading. Then from the second reading, we have St. Paul. St. Paul, who was the great persecutor of Christians with his own personal zeal. The Acts of the Apostles tells us he asked for letters. He wasn't sent by the leaders in Jerusalem to Damascus. He asked for letters. He wanted it. It was, it was in his very heart. He had to wipe out this corruption, as he would have put it, of the church, of the people of Israel. He has to wipe it out with his own personal energy. And here he is writing uh, his letter to Timothy, and he has to say, I who persecuted the Lord was shown mercy. I was shown mercy. So it's another instance of the great mercy of God and how the mercy of God is always made to accomplish something great. St. Paul, who received the mercy of God, became the great apostle to the Gentiles and spread the church across the world till it rapidly reached the furthest ends of the world. Then we come to these three parables of mercy that Jesus tells us. The first parable is the lost sheep, the second parable is the lost coin, and the third parable is the prodigal son, uh, one of the great and most beautiful stories that Jesus tells us in the gospel. But maybe we could find the key to the whole thing in the responsorial psalm. I will rise and I will go to my father. These are the words of the prodigal son. The words of the prodigal son were, I will rise and I will go to my father. Let's just take a, a moment to think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son thought, like Adam and Eve, when they ate the forbidden fruit, that he could do better on his own. He thought that his father's house was a wonderful place, but he thought he could do better on his own. So he asked to be able to go out and try his uh, fortune and to engage in this sense that he has that he can do better on his own. This, my friends, is the form of every sin. If you think about it, ultimately every single sin has this same calculus. It's based on this same expectation. I can do better on my own. If I just turn aside from the bondage in which God is holding me and go my own way, I can do better for my happiness. I can do better for my fulfillment. I can do better for my ultimate destiny than I can if I stay here. 
So it's exactly the same. So we're not better than the prodigal son. Because we didn't get up and go off to a far country and spend all our parents' inheritance, that doesn't make us better than the prodigal son. We are with the prodigal son. The prodigal son is the sinner. The prodigal son is the sinner. And I regret to say, all of us, that includes all of us, right? So, first of all, let's understand that in this parable, we should identify ourselves with... Well, let's say this. Far better it be for us to identify ourselves with the prodigal son than even with the son that stayed at home. And I'll come to that in a moment. The prodigal son goes and he risks his hypothesis. He is convinced in his heart and in his soul that his happiness lies in getting away from here and doing his own thing. Um, And he risks everything on that. Uh, It's a bad thing to do. I'm not justifying what he does, but I'm saying that the dynamic of his humanity still has its eye focused on his happiness, his own happiness. He wants happiness, and all of us are made to want happiness. He's completely wrong about where that happiness is found, but he's still, uh, that's what he wants. So he goes off, and he lives his adventure, And his adventure doesn't turn out. It's simple as that. His adventure doesn't turn out. It turns out to be a dead end. It turns out to leave him in miserable poverty. And if we're honest about it, and we think we should do this, we should get back into the habit of examining our conscience. But our examination of conscience shouldn't stop at the beating of our breast and recognizing that we have sinned, but it should go also to where the prodigal son goes. And that's why the key to everything is the responsorial psalm. I will get up and I will go to my father's house. If our sins, if our sins lead us to say, I will get up and I will go to my father's house, I will return to God, I will return to my relationship with God, in this way, is God's, uh, is God's mercy accomplished? God's mercy is accomplished by our turning to him. And that's what's at the center of this parable, is our openness to the divine mercy, our openness to the mercy of God, our willingness to accept the mercy of God. If the prodigal son had stood on his own dignity, and said, no, 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 I chose this, and now I've got to stick with it. He'd have been a poor man. He'd have been a poor man. And maybe eventually he'd have stumbled along and made some sort of a a living for himself, but he'd been a poor man. Instead, he goes back to his father. And what does he say to his father? He says, you know, the prodigal son is is a schemer. He's, he's, He's a miserable man. But my friends, ultimately, in some way, so are you and I. He goes back to his father with another strategy. He hasn't given up. He hasn't hit rock bottom, as we say. He hasn't hit rock bottom. He still thinks he has a move. And his move is to say, I just want a job. You know, the jobs over there are terrible. In your house, I'd like a good job. I see all these servants. Let me be like them. He wants a job. He wants, he's still in some way on his own terms. But then his father's mercy just washes over him washes over him as an extraordinary and incredible embrace, an embrace of God's divine love. 
That's why we say when we make an act of pure, perfect love, pure and perfect love, selfless love, we, our sins can be forgiven in the moment. We still have to confess them, but they can be forgiven in that very moment. But we say that in the sacrament of confession, it's enough to have what the tradition of the church calls imperfect contrition. And that's what this young prodigal son has. He has imperfect contrition. He's doing the right thing, but for imperfect motives. But the fact that he's doing the right thing gives him that incredible embrace. And my friends, you and I, if we go in there to confession just because we're afraid of hell, or just because we hate feeling guilty, or just because for whatever less reason that's less than perfect love, and we receive, that's where we receive the embrace of Christ, the merciful embrace of Christ. Let's just go for a moment to the, to the second son. The second son reveals himself, at least this is one interpretation, is the one I'd like to offer you today. He reveals himself to be a small man, to be a small man. Because somewhere deep down inside, he envied his brother. He wished that he had had the courage to do what his brother did. I have stayed here with you all the time, and I never took a single thing, as if he regrets that now. He regrets that now. And he rejects the return of his brother. He won't enter into love. Now, this is an upright man. Don't get me wrong. He's an upright man. He has done his duty, has done what is right. But he risks, he risks losing the love of his father. He risks rejecting the love of his father. And that's why the second son is in a much more dangerous position than the poor in spirit. What the prodigal son becomes through his misadventure is poor in spirit. The elder son is still proud. The elder son still stands on his own dignity and reproaches his father. Let us ask that we might be those who allow ourselves to be embraced by our Father. Let us ask that we may love, that we may desire, that we may hunger for the mercy of God, and that we, far from standing on our own dignity, we may open our lives continually, that the continual movement of our life could be defined by that responsorial verse, I will rise and I will go to my Father. Let us ask that in our sinfulness, in our misery, in our weakness, in this valley of tears, that we may always be moved in that direction. I will get up and I will go to my Father.